So where do you get your sense of purpose and value? There are three places you can get it. One is that you can try to tell yourself you are of value. That is called self-esteem. It is an oxymoron. Because if you don't believe you're worth anything, you will not believe yourself no matter what you tell yourself. Then there's people. You know how that goes. It can go any way, any day. There is, though, a strong doctrine of creation that can give you an immovable and true sense of your purpose just in being, just alive. Let me read to you the five verses that we are uh, preaching this series on. Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was his name. I want to talk to you today just about a half a sentence Verse 16. It's a whole verse, but just a half a sentence. And people, when they read it, their first impression is, well, that is just the beginning of a thought. Then the Lord God commanded the man, saying, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely. And there's a semicolon at the end of that. I mean, it it just says that it is the beginning. But I want to say to you that in that half sentence, there is an entire basis that you need to have if you ever to be secure in having a purpose in this world. God provided what was needed for man just to live. And it is in that simple thought, and it is that repetitive theme, that there is some meaning just in our existence. That God created us just as intentionally as he created the sun and the moon and the stars and Adam. That all of us are created. And because we are created and because we live, we must have a purpose. In the Bible, the Bible simply talks about the provision for physical life. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we say, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. That is the only request we make as far as living physically in this world. It doesn't say, Lord, make me a success. Give me victory. It says, give us this day our daily bread. Simple, physical existence. Can it be that there is purpose just in that? I want to tell you this morning, you don't need to absolutely be sure of your purpose before you're sure that you have a purpose. Let me say that again, because there are desperate, there are people desperate to find out why they were made and what their purpose is in this world. I want you to know you don't have to know your purpose before you actually are serving a purpose just with your existence. 
God has given you value just by creating you, whether you ever understand what that value is or not. Let me turn you back to uh, Genesis chapter 1. Read with me. Verse 16, God made the two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He made the stars also, and God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was, look at that word, what did it say? Good. It's good. They have purpose and they have value. How many people believe that the stars and the moon and the sun are aware of their value? They are not. But they have value nonetheless. God created them. They are serving their purpose, totally unaware of their purpose. Verse 21, And God created the great sea monsters, every living creature that moves with the waters swarmed after their kind, and every winged bird after its kind. And God saw that it was good. It has value and purpose. They do not realize what it is, but they are serving their purpose in God's world. And you can go down verse after verse. In verse 25, you can see that it was good. And then in verse 31, it says, And after everything was made, God stepped back and saw that it was very good. None of the creation yet had determined for itself that it was good. But yet it was good. You don't have to be aware of your purpose before you can believe that there is a purpose. When Becky and I were living in Greenwood, there was a we, we're junk food, uh, uh, fast food junkies. Uh, we like fast food restaurants, and so there was a there was a certain Wendy's that we ate uh, at quite often. And you know, when you eat at a at a fast food place again and again, you get to know the regular customers. And so we started getting to know you know the other folks that were in there. And there was this little old guy that kept coming in, uh, and about every supper time, you know, he'd come in, and we got to know him and and uh, talk with him, and his only friend, his only uh, uh, companion was a dog. And this guy loved to talk about his dog. And we noticed the oddest thing about this guy. He would get a sandwich and get a little uh, some fries, and, and in that time they just came in a boat that stood like this, and then get a Frosty. And he'd eat almost all the sandwich, but only half the fries and half the Frosty. And then he'd pour that Frosty into those fries and stir it around and pick up these fries and take them out. Well, it, we came to find out that his dog loved Frosty and fries. <laughs> and it was his greatest pleasure to come to Wendy's every night and to give that dog half of his fries and half of his Frosty. Well, one night he came in and he got busy talking with folks and, and he was kind of hungry that night and wasn't watching what he was doing and ate all of his French fries. And looked down at this empty thing, horrified. Looking around, thinking, my dog's going to think I don't love her anymore. He was in desperate straits. And we were—we had three little kids. We were busy with them, and so we weren't paying attention. But meanwhile, this guy's looking all around the restaurant to see who has left their fries. He's wanting to pick up some fries. Well, this one guy, about two tables down, big guy. You know, 250, 260. Big guy. Decides... He's done with his sandwich, gets up, goes around. Now, from our angle, we can see that this guy is simply going back for another sandwich. (laughs) 
The, the old guy thought he'd gone out the door. Well, here's this guy's half thing full of fries. So this guy spots his fries. He starts looking around. He doesn't see this guy up there buying another sandwich. He gets up, takes his half of Frosty, goes over to this guy's fries, and just as this big guy's coming around the corner with a sandwich in his hand, he sees this old guy pouring Frosty all over his fries. Stirring it up. The guy's absolutely flabbergasted. Then the old guy picks up his fries and just goes out the door. He probably thought that was the weirdest old guy in the whole world. See? But we could see from our angle and knew from the background exactly what he was doing. There was purpose. There was purpose. He just couldn't see it. The big guy couldn't see it. He just stood there eating for the rest of the night, going, looking to see what else was going to happen. Kind of freaked him out. You know what? You don't have to see the whole picture before you can know there's a purpose. As a matter of fact, you can't see the whole picture. Now here we are in a situation in this country that is so utilitarian. We believe that the only purpose we can affirm is what is of use to all of us. What fits in with the norm of all of us. Rachel Delavorius, we've all been there. When we haven't fit in with the norm, and so we've been the brunt of jokes because we didn't fit in. Somehow we were defective. See? Now God says, no, no, no. I made you, and therefore you have a purpose. But America says, you don't have a purpose till we can see your use. You don't have a purpose until you have produced something. And so therefore, we go along with the philosophy of Baruch Spinoza, who said, good is whatever is of use to us. And we believe that. Now, that gets into real shallow ground. Because we're always looking on the surface. We always want to know what is of use to us personally, and therefore we make our judgments in that way. I remember the story of a grade school teacher. Some of you that came from the north may remember this. When we had snow up north, all of our teachers lectured us about wearing boots. We had to wear these big old clumsy galoshes with the buckles hanging and, you know, and so on and so forth. And, and whenever we didn't wear them, we got reamed out by our teachers. Lectures on colds and pneumonia and stuff like this. Well, I remember the story about a grade school teacher who was so sick of her boys, uh, half of her class coming in without boots, that she decided to shock them into wearing boots. And so, snow day, here comes half the kids in without the boots, and she said, I want to tell you about a little brother I had. <laughs> she said he was the finest little brother handsome little brother, wonderful little brother. And one Christmas, he got a new sled. And he went out to ride that sled without his boots on. And he caught a cold, and she strung it out. Boy, it just really made it dramatic. You know, well, the girls are half in tears, you know. The boys are going, just wondering where this is going to. So she goes into the graphics. He got pneumonia. And he turned blue. Well, the girls are crying harder and the boys are going, well, I'd like to see that. Blue. Blue. You know? And then she came to the piece de resistance. She looked at him and she said, and he died. Silence. 
Little boy raises his hand in back. What'd you do with this sled? <laughs> That's how we are. We want to know what's left. What, what good does this thing do me? See, I will judge its value and its purpose by what I can get out of it. We're goofy like that. So we make snap judgments about purpose. Let me try something here. If you're sitting beside someone who is really dressed up, raise your hand. Look, look beside. You're sitting beside somebody who's really dressed up. Okay. All right. Stand up. Stand up. Now, isn't she gorgeous? Isn't this a nice outfit? Yes! The applause meter. I love this. I love this. Okay. Obviously, your purpose in life is to look good. Yes. So you can sit down. You never have to wonder about it again. Who... Who is sitting beside someone who is very casual today? Maybe even has shorts on. What do you say? Casual. Okay, wait a minute. Right down here. Come here, come here, come here. Come here. Come here. Tell me your name again. Charles. Charles. Come on up here, Charles. Charles has some hot dog shoes on here. Has a shirt on, see? Now, Charles' purpose, obviously, is to make us all feel comfortable. So that we know it's not in what you wear to worship God, you know. I don't. He's taller than I am. I know it. I'm coming to that. His purpose is obviously to make us all feel very comfortable and to know that it's what in your it's in your heart that counts. So Charles, you never have to worry about your purpose again. Now you know it's to make everybody comfortable. Sit down there. Who is sitting beside someone? Now they probably won't want to admit this, but if you will admit it for yourself, who graduated uh, magna cum laude? Anybody here? Come on, magna cum laude. Ron, did you graduate magna cum laude? Okay. Stand up a minute, Ron. Come here. Come here. I happen to know that you have three kids, don't you? Yeah. You probably put quite a bit of your life into those three kids. Yeah. Why? All these brains. And you're spending your time with kids. You could be thinking the whole time, man. You're missing your purpose in life. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You said that. Who, who graduated Thank You Good Lordy? <laughs> yeah, okay. Carlson. Don't ever do anything that requires you to think, man. Your purpose is just to exist, just to blob out. Isn't that good? Is there a baby in here? Who has a baby with me? Is there, somebody got a baby in here? Go back there. Let me let me have this baby here just for a second. Oh, sorry, this here. Obviously, can I, I'm very good with babies. Can I? Oh, look, look at her. You think she'd let me hold her? Do you? I pass her over here. Let me show you this baby. She is. Oh, look at her. Look at her. You know what? Look at her. Come here. Let me show you here. Let me show you up there. This is your church family up here. Yeah, look. Now let me ask you this. What good is a baby? I mean, aren't they just basically an alimentary canal? You put something in one end, it comes out the other end. You clean this up, put more in this. The virtue, of course, you know, the use of a baby is that they are absolutely darling. So what the parents obviously ought to do, because it's her purpose to be darling, is to rent a window downtown and just stick her in that window and let people come by and go, oh. See, you never have to worry about the purpose of your daughter. Isn't this wonderful? Well, of course, all of this is ridiculous and it's just a lot of fun, but 
Now let me get the right row. <laughs> okay. You know, Americans are like that, though. They want to know their purpose so badly that they will form pure utilitarian values and never go deeper into the essence of our existence. You know, I'm not saying don't fulfill your capabilities, obviously. Luke chapter 12, verse 48 says, Whoever has been given much, from him much will be required. But let me ask you this. Have you ever considered the negative corollary of that or the other side of that? It's not even negative. It's also positive. Whoever has been given little, from him little will be required. His existence is good enough. You know what? Just living means you have a purpose. It means God created you. And sometimes you can't categorize the purpose. God himself would not be categorized. I mean, we have names for him like Jehovah Jireh, provider, Jehovah Rapha, healer. But when God gave his own name, turn with me to the third chapter of Exodus. Moses came to God. God was going to send him and says, and Moses says, okay, but I need your name and I need a good one. Because I need something to scare the bejeebers out of these Egyptians. I want to use your name because I feel inadequate. And guess what God said? I am who I am. The only value he attached was his own existence. That was his purpose. His purpose was not to scare the Egyptians. His purpose was just in his own being. You couldn't, couldn't categorize it. You couldn't narrow it down. My value is in that I exist. Jesus showed the same character when he said, Before Abraham was, I am. That was his value, his existence. And in the scripture, in Genesis 1.27, it says, Let us make man in our image. And so in the image of God, he made them male and female. He created them. It is in that image, just in existence, that we bear the likeness of God, the life of God, the being of God. And you've got to come to the place where you say, I'm valuable not for what I can do, but for who I am. I'm valuable not for my attributes, but for who I am. I am who I am. That's simple. Immanuel Kant said, people are never a means to an end. Now that's a, that's a heavy thing if you think about that for a while because we usually use people as a means to an end. Immanuel Kant said they are always an end in themselves. Think of the gospel of prosperity or the gospel of poverty that you've heard Maybe most of your life. The gospel of prosperity says this. God wants all believers to be rich, to be successful, and to be healthy. Now, if you don't happen to be rich, or you don't happen to be successful, or you don't happen to be healthy, what's the implication? 
The implication is you're not fulfilling your purpose. There's something wrong. You are defective. You are a poor substitute for what God really wants. And if you never get fixed, then you live all of your life in some sort of shame. The gospel of poverty is like it, only comes from the other end. Unless you're suffering. Unless you've sold all you have. Unless you're miserable. Unless you've got... And these are the things that testimonies are made out of. I want you to know. I mean, you listen to testimonies long enough and you think, boy... I've not gone through anything, you know. Uh, unless you have been worshiping the devil or whatever, you're not come all the way to see the radical difference God makes in your life. Of course, there's just the simple gospel that says God created who He intended to create. And therefore, there is transferred value. That is what you need to know. Now, this is this is really a pre-salvation message, but I want you to know that basic message is something you're no, going to need to know your whole life long. I want to give you today three reasons that you are valuable beyond your productivity. Number one, because God sometimes uses us as a catalyst Remember from your old chemistry, uh, your old chemistry classes. I, I had an old Mr. Archdeacon was my chemistry professor. Funny little guy. Parted his hair down the middle, had these little, you know, kind of goofy spectacles on, and and carried a slide rule. Remember slide rules? Carried a slide rule with him everywhere. And he, I remember the day he talked about catalysts. I was fascinated for some reason. A catalyst is something that causes a reaction around them, but yet they don't change any of themselves. It's just because they're present. Just because they're here that they cause this change. They've never intended it. They don't even know about it. There's just been a change because it has existed. Could I say to you that there are changes going on in this world because of your life you will never know about. You will never comprehend. You had no intentionality in it, but because you're a part of God's mix. He is completing things in other people's lives, and you will never know it. You are a catalyst, and you don't know that you have that purpose. Rufus Jones was a wonderful Christian man. He was a father of an 11-year-old boy named Lowell. Lowell died at 11 years old. But months before he died, Rufus Jones overheard his son saying this, you know how kids get around in a circle and they talk about what they want to be when they grow up. And he heard his son say, I want to be a man just like my daddy. That boy, saying that, never knowing that his father had overheard it, had a profound effect on his father for the rest of his father's life because he spent the rest of his life trying to be the man. He thought, the little boy thought he was. If you're a parent, you know that feeling, don't you? You know, parent, you know, kids idolize you. I got a, a letter in my office from my son Joel it says, "Dad, I want to be like you when I grow up." Well, I know he's got an idealized picture of me, but he does not know how much I live to that picture. 
Not because of what I want, and sometimes to my shame, not even because of what God wants, but because He lived and He had that picture. There is a profound effect for me on the rest of my life, and I'll probably spend the rest of my life trying to fulfill that picture. Second, God created you, and therefore you have value, not just because you're a catalyst, but because in His creation, He never left you. Never. Do you remember when you were little building things or making things? I was the absolute and remained the absolute worst carpenter in the history of the face of the earth. I mean, I would go down in my dad's workshop and I would make a boat. And here's how I'd make a boat. I'd get a flat board and I'd cut a point. And it was never an even point. It was always one side was down like this and the other side. But that was my... And then I'd, I'd pound nails in the thing around it. Uh, and then that was the, the railing. And then I would wrap string around the railing and that'd be my boat. I thought it was a great boat. Take it out in a puddle. And the kids would come by. They'd say, what is that? I'd say, that's my boat. I made that boat. And they'd look at it and say... <laughs> That's pitiful. That's the worst boat I've ever seen. And I used to get so insulted. You know why? Because I never separated myself from that boat. I never separated my life from what I had made. You know what? God never separates His life from what He makes. When people make fun of you, they're making fun of God. And I don't care how available we are to be made fun of or how likely we are to be made fun of, even with the least, God remains a part of your life. Look in Matthew chapter 25. He's talking, Jesus is talking about Judgment Day. And He says, I was hungry. He's talking about people here. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. You know this verse. They said, Lord, when? And he said, when you did it to the least of the people that I created, you did it to me. The least. You see, you have value. Because God created you and has never separated Himself from you. And so therefore, whether or not you ever find your purpose, whether or not you ever do something you deem to be great in this world, God has invested His life in you. And third, and this is the most important point, don't miss this point. You have inherent worth because you are an individual that God intended to make, listen to this, like you are. In 1 Peter 2.17 it says, Honor all men. Now, what does that mean? That we know some real crumb bums in this world, and certainly we don't pay tribute to sin 
And we don't pay tribute to laziness. And we don't pay tribute to uh, people who are maliciously ruining other people's lives. What does it mean? Honor all men. It means this. That from the basics, no matter what people's behavior is, there is a createdness in them that deserves our honoring of it no matter whether they give back to us what we need or not. Now, let me tell you a story. When my kids were little, we went through the we want a pet phase. Well, I don't like pets. Don't like animals. Want to get on with my life? Thank you very much. I mean, I like them, but I don't want to keep them in my house. And so, typical, you know, practical kind of person, I said, okay, what goes to the bathroom the least? That's how... And so, and what makes the least amount of noise? Fish. Fish. Good pet, see? Fish. Well, I'm not sure Joel was born yet, but I think, I know Josh and Isaac both were, and they were, they were getting to that age. Maybe Joel was just real small. But we got this aquarium. And stocked it with beautiful fish. Just gorgeous fish, you know. But fish have a limited value as a pet of a little kid. You know why? Because when you come to the door, fish don't come up to the side of the aquarium and go. They don't. They just keep going. See? I walked into the bedroom one day, and Isaac has his arm down in that aquarium, chasing all over for those things. I thought, what in the world? I said, Isaac, what are you doing? He looked up at me, pure innocence, trying to pet my fish. Okay, so we got a dog after that. <laughs> but let me tell you this. Fish are not a poor substitute for a dog. They're fish. A fish is not a defective dog. It's a fish. It's exactly what it was made to be doesn't have the same response factor, but it's not supposed to have. God didn't work His way up to dogs saying, Oh, rats, this thing won't come to the door. I've got to build a dog. He didn't do that, see? said, Fish. I like fish. They're pretty. I'm making fish here. See? See, creatures, I'm making them because I like them. Do you know that when it comes to people, it's the same deal. Some people will give you some of what you need. Some people don't. Because they don't have that capability. They weren't made for that. But their life is valuable in itself. You know what? A handicapped child is not a defective normal child. Handicapped child is a child all its own, worth all it is, just like it is. An old person who becomes forgetful is not a defective young person who's run out of energy and run out of steam and therefore has a lessened value. 
A young person who has all kinds of energy and zeal and hardly any wisdom is not a defective old person. Short people aren't defective tall people. (laughs) You knew I'd get to it, didn't you? Men aren't defective women. And women aren't defective men. Okay? You understand what I'm saying? God makes everything to his likeness, no matter how they compare. And it is only the immature that insists on the norm. Because that is what makes us most comfortable. I did a funeral a couple years ago, or not a couple years ago, a couple months ago, of a 15-year-old girl. This girl was a believer. And there was such a response in the community. This sanctuary was filled up just like it is now for the funeral of that girl. There were many wonderful things that came from that girl's death. There were several teenagers that considered their relationship with God in a way they hadn't done before. I mean, they were confronted with death inescapably. And so they needed to face God. The community was brought together in ways that it is not usually. But it was not a valuable experience because of the result of her death. She did not live to the purpose of dying young to bring people together and to make them face their mortality. That was not her purpose. Her purpose was in the 15 years that she lived. Being the person God created her to be, that was her purpose. 15 years is not a defective long life. Because when you consider eternity, 15 years or 95 years come out about the same. Both have the same value. Can you take it down to a year? Yeah. Can you take it down to six months? Yeah. Every existence from conception on has its purpose fulfilled every day it lives. What about old folks that have got Alzheimer's, as most of us feel like we have most days? Do they still have a purpose even though they can't think? As long as God keeps them in this world, the answer is yes. Because the purpose is in their being. It is not in their intelligence. You know, if you compare yourself With Einstein, you may come out on the short end of the stick. But if you compare Einstein with God, what is there that creates value? Look, we are like people with Alzheimer's, all of us, when you compare us to God. But yet we have value. It's all in the way you look at it. So, let me end this up. Let me say to you, that your life has a purpose. It is not all in the way you work. It is not all in your knowledge of what you are to do here. An avenue of your purpose is in the fact that you continue to live and you don't check out. An avenue of your purpose 
is in the fact that you have decided that because God has created you, you're going to play this thing out. Whether you ever learn what it's about, you're going to play it out. Because it is God who gives you purpose. Pray with me. Lord, many of us don't know exactly why you created us. We can make up little scenarios. We can have a hint of it today that may be gone tomorrow. But we don't need to know. Because we don't live unto ourselves, as the Bible says. Whether we live or whether we die, we're yours. And so we thank you for our life and we thank you for our purpose and we have confidence that you have given us purpose. We do ask to be used, but whether or not we ever realize our use, we rest in you for our worth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.